Welcome to Women Who Sarcast. I'm Kathy Barron. This is Shailani Alex. And October is here already. Can you believe it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. Yes no and, and yes. No. Time goes by <laughs> so fast, but so slow at the same time. Yeah. It's too much. It's, yeah, actually, I can't believe I can't believe it's not butter. I can't believe it's October. It's And yeah. Halloween isn't the only scary shit happening this month. <laughs> we, we were talking about the movie Social Dilemma. Yes. So you, that's some scary you, shit. That's very scary. It's it's scary. I think people kind of knew that that was happening, but to the extent of it and to hear it from people who are actual executives from other social media platforms. Um, that were actually yeah, doing the work. Mm-hmm. That were and actually then, doing what they were talking about. Yeah, and the fact that they're restricting their own families from doing this. like From being on social media, yeah. Yeah, that's the piece that kind of struck me the most. It's like, okay, so you work for this industry and this company creating this kind of machine and yet you personally would not invest your own lives (laughs) into it, you know? Well, it was interesting because a couple of them had mentioned that they felt when they first started working for Facebook or Google that it was for good. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they finally realized that, I mean, it's not all bad. There is some good to it, but they just realized that it was getting, it was going down the road that wasn't Mm -hmm. the best for people. And one of them, I remember saying that he was addicted to it, to his phone, just like anybody else. Cause I mean, we're all human and regardless if you work in that industry or not, your brain, your behavior, social media is changing the way you behave. Mm hmm. And it's very minute and slight so that you can't really see it happening when it's happening. Mm-hmm. So, That's scary. And it's true. And I looked at my screen time mm-hmm. yesterday after watching the movie because one of the bits was about these kids and their screen time. And I think I spend like, there was one day that I spent like seven hours and 52 minutes on my screen and I'm like what the heck was I doing that's like a third of your life that's like a day job it is it's like I was working that day what was I doing that day but a lot of it is social media and games because I'm so bored sometimes that it just the games just kind of take me away and just it's like a it's like watching tv and just flipping through the channels it's you know it's just mind-numbing i monitor that like screen time as well too um but i think at the end of the day whether it's how we interact with these things with our phones with social media it is up to us to just kind of practice a little bit of that self-discipline to kind of change that trend right in social dilemma i was just realizing They've used us as this means of their inventory, their their supply, basically, right? 
So even though we think that they're using these tools to control that, we are actually in control of that. So I know at the end of the film, they were talking about, here are some ways to kind of reduce that, like turn off your notifications. That's a huge one. I, that's why- I never put notifications on. I don't get email notifications. Like I don't dings. get banner yeah. dings. I don't get anything like that. Yeah. Those are all shut off on mine. That's why I miss the th our threads on WhatsApp because I don't see those popping up. And I'll be late sometimes to messages on all social media, all of it, Facebook, Instagram, uh, WhatsApp are probably the top three that I would probably use, but mostly because of communication things like messenger, all of that. I have to leave that on in case my parents call because they're using that. But other than that, I just don't. Yeah. And it says like, delete the apps off your phone. Mm -hmm. And then like you said, turn off notifications. Mm -hmm. And then the other one that I remember the guy saying is that for the kids, take away their phones, like an hour, mm -hmm. half an hour, significant time before they go to bed. Anybody should be off their screens, whether it's computer or phone, like an hour before they go to bed. Yeah. But, I mean, I look at my phone in bed. Yeah, I do too. Before I go to sleep, which I need to stop doing that. So, like, reading a book instead or, you know. Yeah. I look at mine when I wake up because it's my alarm as well. So mm -hmm. it's almost like while it's in my hand, yeah. which like for a long time before I moved to the new place, I had a regular clock and that helped to not make me reach for my phone first thing in the morning. Cause I had to shut off the alarm or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I need to like make a better habit of that. And actually that's, if that's the only reason why I'm keeping it on, then I really should put settings to, to shut that off, get a normal clock, like a normal person, like back in the day when we didn't have phones, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> what did we do without phones? How did we wake up? You know, it's like, right. yeah, your mother was screaming that. at you to wake your ass up. That's what happened. <laughs> so basically what you need to do is get a recording of either parent <laughs> yelling at you to wake up. And that's how you can wake up every morning. Yeah. <laughs> So another thing that this guy was saying was like, do you check your phone before you go to the bathroom or while you going to oh. the bathroom? Because those are the only two options <laughs> <laughs> or, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's so true. Who out there doesn't look at their phone or text people when they're on the pot and raise the hands? Yeah. hundred percent of you. <laughs> I, I know. I see you out there. Oh my God. <laughs> well, well, all of that to say, I mean, I think it's hard to do at this in this time of pandemic because we don't have um, a lot of options to, to do things outside, to get outside. I mean, we do, but it's just limited. It takes more effort than it did before. It's just so much more easy to like lay on the couch, flip through your phone, scroll through Instagram, whatever. Um, but I, I think it is, uh, we should see it more as an opportunity to kind of practice that self-discipline. Mm -hmm. I mean, might as well, because what else we got to do? Nothing. <laughs> Find a new Listen hobby. Listen to podcasts. Listen to podcasts. Another form of social media, but but it's. I think it's you know everything in moderation, right? We could we could we as users of these tools, you know, if they're really following our demand, let's take that control back, right, and use the platforms for good. And another thing on YouTube they mentioned is that do not click on the videos they recommend. Oh, because yeah. that's how you go down these rabbit holes because then that's data that they use. It's like, oh, 
well, they like this video. Let's show them this video. So yeah. honestly, if you haven't watched this movie, it's on Netflix. If you don't have Netflix, email me. I'll give you my account password. You can log in <laughs> and watch this movie. Actually, it's not my login. But anyway, um, <laughs> but watch it. Do a Netflix party, whatever you got to do. But I definitely think it's something that needs to be watched by everybody. Yeah, it's worth it. It's definitely worth the time. Definitely worth the time and perspective. Yeah. So Shailani and I want to thank our newest patron on Patreon. Thank you to Andrea. Shout out. Thank you, Andrea. Woo-hoo! I need a horn, like a, you know. Yeah, that's good right there. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea, that's what you get. A thank you. <laughs> We appreciate your support, Andrea, and look out for some Women Who Sarcast swag and little goodies that you'll get in your Patreon inbox. Keep an eye out for that. And uh, if you're interested in becoming like Andrea, because who wouldn't want to be Andrea right now? You can go to patreon.com backslash women who sarcast. We, sh- we should make that a new hashtag. Hashtag becoming Andrea. Yes. And that'll be like her page. Absolutely. <laughs> so thank you, Andrea. We appreciate you. Thank you, Andrea. Today we're going to talk about paranormal activities. He's scared. And obviously, Shailani just loves this topic. I love it, but it's scary. What's so scary about it? It's just, you know, it's it to me. I feel like watching gory movies like Halloween or whatever. Like I feel like I would rather watch the Saw. Yeah, I would, and I can't stand violence. By the way, anyone who knows me, I just, I who, why, what is the joy in watching that? There just isn't. But it's like I'd rather watch that than a movie about something that's paranormal because I really believe that stuff. Things that are unseen, mm-hmm. you know, the supernatural. Mm-hmm. I just, it's very real to me. It is. But. I think it's pretty real. Scary. So there was a 2013 Harris poll said that 42% Americans believe in ghosts, 36% UFOs, 26% witches, 71% of Americans believe in miracles. think that extrasensory perception, a.k.a. ESP, is possible. And 29% believe in astrology. 29%? Yeah, that's pretty low, don't you think? Yeah, I was going to say that seems pretty low. Um, And the alien one, 36, I think you said? 36 for UFOs, yeah. Uh, Yeah, UFOs. I feel like that's low, too. So then there's 21% of the people believe government is hiding aliens 28 percent believe that a mysterious secret elite power is plotting a new world order and 14 percent believe in bigfoot just 14 yeah it didn't say anything about you know the loch ness monster or anything but only 14 of your homies believe in bigfoot (laughs) well i don't know that i believe in bigfoot but necessarily i don't know i haven't like researched it well but Bigfoot is a North American thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I know the Loch Ness is in Scotland, right? But where I grew yeah. up in Ticonderoga, New York, don't blink as you go through, 
the town, <laughs> we had something similar to the Loch Ness that they supposedly saw in Lake Champlain, and we called it Nessie. Oh. And they would have all of this pictures and merchandise that had Nessie on it, but it was a more of a cutesy kind of Loch Ness. Oh, that was here? I thought that was just another nickname for the Loch Ness Monster, but I didn't realize Nessie was here. Yeah, if my memory serves me correctly. That was wow. in, That was in Lake Champlain where I grew up, yeah. That's kind of fun. But I mean, you I don't really Nessie. remember much about it. And I think it was around the same time that the Loch Ness was kind of becoming more popular or whatever. I did not know that, Kathy. Mm-hmm. Nessie was like your hometown homie. Right. <laughs> Thank God we didn't pick it up as a mascot for our school because that would have been really embarrassing. <laughs> All your t-shirts. <laughs> Ticonderoga like, Nessies. The, I don't, Instead of like Ticonderoga longest, Sentinels. Tyco Nessies. It's like a little head, cartoon head popping out of a lake of, on your on t-shirt. Your uniforms. Your yeah. yeah. That would have been awesome. Imagine the football players wearing a jersey like that. They would never <laughs> go for it. In my research, history.com, they have a ton of stuff about UFOs and aliens and ancient ruins and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's very interesting. So a lot of things that are paranormal, I find, are around energy fields or electromagnetic fields. It mm-hmm. seems... That seems to be the theme, like with crop circles. I did some research on the crop circles. I want to hear. So I'm sure everyone knows what a crop circle is. It's these like really cool designs that are like precise and very, I mean, it's art in my opinion. And it's usually in farming areas, whether it's wheat fields or corn fields or whatever. And the earliest mention of crop circles was back dates back to the 1500s and I think it's mostly like in England is when they were their their most popular I think is in England mentions of crop circles were sporadic until the 20th century when the circles began appearing in the 60s and 70s in England and the United States but it didn't really gain attention until 1980 when a farmer in England discovered three circles that's when UF researchers and the media first began to learn about the crop circles. So, of course, you know, they become tourist attractions and everybody wants to know how they're made. And a lot of them are made by humans. You know for sure? Well, that's the research. I mean, I don't know personally. <laughs> but You didn't go out there the and shows. tape measure and... <laughs> A metal detector. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So crop circle enthusiasts call themselves cereologists after Ceres, the Roman goddess of agriculture, or croppies, as they are sometimes called. It's a lot easier to pronounce, too. Like Wheaties. Croppies. (laughs) Like Wheaties. Thinking of cereal. (laughs) Sorry. Keep going. Well, croppies, Wheaties, you know, wheat fields. Kind of all goes together. Yeah, it does, right? It's probably where that came from. Oh, my God. (laughs) Conspiracy theory. (laughs) So the locations are like England. They've been spotted in the U.S., Canada, Australia, Japan, India, 
the season, quote unquote, for crop circles runs from April to September, which coincidentally coincides with the growing season. (laughs) And they tend to be created at night. So you can't see who creates them. Of course. And they can be found in all different types of fields. Wheat, corn, rice, barley, tobacco, even weeds, apparently. So the crop circle theory is that some people claim they're the work of UFOs landing on our planet. Others say it's a natural phenomenon and some think it's just, you know, a hoax and there's just people doing it because they've got nothing else to do. But the most controversial theory is that crop circles are the work of visitors from other planets, sort of like an alien calling card. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you? It's, Can I, it's like, it's like that's how the aliens are going to communicate with us. I don't know. In this day and age of technology, they're going to go into a field and draw some pictures. And draw these designs that we have no clue. I mean, they haven't even give us a, given us a legend so we can match it to what their calling card is. So how are we going to even know what it says? <laughs> right? Because we're supposed to be wizards and mind readers. That's why. Right. Speak alienese. Did you ever watch that movie, um, Waiting for Guffman? Yes. Do you remember that one scene where one of the characters, he like goes out into this field and he measures like the diameter of this field every single day. And now he says within that, within that frame, it's like, you know, steady, consistent weather and I... temperature. Do you remember? That just reminded me of that. <laughs> when you were talking about crop circles, was well, that scene out of waiting for Guffman? <laughs> just, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Love that movie. I know. I love all his movies. Okay. So wind is one scientific theory that these vortexes called dust devils create these Mm. designs and flattens the crops. And the vortexes that create crop circles are charged with energy. So the dust particles get caught up in the spinning And then they appear to glow, which may explain the UFO-like glowing lights that many people have seen near crop circles. Hmm. But I don't know. Those crop circle designs are pretty intricate. So I don't know. They are. And has anyone ever recorded that happening? of course not. Okay. Because it happens at night, Shailani. Under the guise of darkness. Darkness. Because the aliens, they only, they're they nocturnal. They only come out at night. Well, just maybe they're just in a different time zone. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're about 16 hours ahead, 12 maybe. So right. It's daytime for them, but it's nighttime for us. <laughs> Let's just get out now. <laughs> so maybe this is a project that you and I should work on and go out oh, to yeah. some field and... I'm like, why hasn't anybody done set up cameras and video cameras? I mean, well, I mean, that's the case for any of these phenomena, right? I mean, if technology is allegedly advancing as fast as this is what I was talking about with my friend last week, we're like how, you know, the whole idea of like Bigfoot, like we could find Saddam Hussein, but we can't find Bigfoot. (laughs) Like, why? (laughs) What's up with that? Bin Laden kicking it in a cave. We could find that, but we can't find Bigfoot romping around Northern California out in the open. <laughs> right. 
just lame. <laughs> anyway, so I have theories about that too, but whatever. We'll talk about that in a minute. You can have your yeah. you can have your soapbox. <laughs> so a couple other theories is aircraft, Earth energy, which some researchers believe that the Earth creates its own energy, which forms the circles. So it's like, you know, those electromagnetic radiation. And the scientists have measured strong magnetic fields inside the crop circles. And, you know, people that have visited the crop circles have reported feeling like tingling sensation in their body. But why there? Like something must be going on at the core of the Earth at that particular spot that's creating that. Like there has to be a source for it. That's just physics, Right, and energy is neither created nor destroyed, so it's got to be like coming from somewhere in the earth. I think it has to do with electromagnetic fields, honestly. Mm. Because if people are experiencing like strange physical and emotional reactions while visiting the circles, I mean, that should be studied, or they mm-hmm. hear like a buzzing noise or something. <laughs> There's Oh, no. Oh, no. So in my research, I've discovered in this document that after visiting a formation near Stone Edge in 1996, a group of women reported changes in their normal menstrual cycles. (laughs) Most startling was a small group of post-menopausal women who suddenly began <coughs> masturbating again. Masturbating. Oops. Kathy! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow! So, <laughs> if your sex drive is down, go visit his crop circle. <laughs> who needs Viagra? <laughs> go to a crop circle. <laughs> Whoops, my bad. (laughs) I meant to say most startling was a small group of post-menopausal women who suddenly began menstruating again (laughs) after visiting the site. So there's that. Yeah, there is that. (laughs) (laughs) Kathy! What? Ridiculous, (laughs) Yeah, I'm just reading what's on the internet, okay? Really? Did it say masturbating? No. Anyway, that's it on crop circles. I think that's all I can handle after that. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to talk about Bigfoot as I was doing my little baby research. Um, And this isn't a very big thing, but we kind of touched on it earlier about Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, whatever the name. Those are the only three I know. Um, mm-hmm. around it. Yeah. But basically, just as we were thinking about paranormal or supernatural things, I don't know why Bigfoot came to mind, <laughs> just because it's, it's been on the brain lately. But the fact that it's basically inf- infiltrated like culture and folklore as much as it has and legend um, out here is just amazing to me. And I was doing a little bit of research on it too, because I don't know too much about it, but I came across the history.com uh, site as well. And allegedly, or supposedly, the legend originated from basically like a lighthearted story in the Humboldt Times back in like 1958 about some loggers who were finding these big 
footprint around. And so this reporter decided to write on it, thinking like, oh, it's a fun Sunday, you know, morning story, whatever. And I guess people just latched onto it because it was so fascinating. So then this whole ball got going about, you know, talking to the loggers and asking what they, you know, what they saw and their whole experience about it. And I guess because the where Bigfoot came from was um, just reflective of what they were calling the prints that they saw. Sasquatch, I think if I read, came from um, a Native American tribe or nation up in Canada. Hmm. I don't know where Yeti would have come from um, as well. But anyway, bottom line is that, you know, like we were saying earlier, you know, in this day and age of technology, like, why are we not out there trying to find find where this is? And it's not even just like one person I learned. It's, you know, in this conversation with my friend, it's not just one person. Apparently, there's like these communities of of big, big feet. Foot. Big feet, <laughs> big foot. Hey, I speaking. Yeah, it's like these communities, like families living in different places. Now that may be just a result of like legend happening. And people at the time that the story came up, like in the late 1950s, there was also kind of like this bump up in crime. So you know, some people were just like, oh, okay, maybe like Bigfoot's just like a scapegoat for, you know, hmm. saying. You know, instead of like blaming people who were ransacking, like, you know, the the general store, like it was actually Bigfoot going in there trying to find some food because he can only come out at night because he's Bigfoot. So I I think it's just my personal opinion around, and you, I don't know what you think about Bigfoot, is that maybe it's just like this dude that just has this really unfortunate medical condition and has been like basically ostracized from society. So it was like forced to live in the woods. I mean, they have these um, conditions where you have just like this uh, excessive kind of hair growth throughout your whole body, like Chewbacca, right? You know, there are people who are really living lives like that, which is, you know, unfortunate, but it happens. So I don't know. Anyway, I don't know about the height part of it and the fact that their feet are hecka big, but. Well, you would think that if Bigfoot is the one that's ransacking these stores, that they would have some kind of DNA hair samples or something that they could get yeah these locations i don't know well and that dna technology and science i mean that was around in the 50s right it's not like it was something that was that was foreign and on top of that like how big really was bigfoot's foot like people's diets are changing these days that they're growing and getting bigger now so what was like a size 10 foot for a man back then versus like nowadays you got like these size 13 16 like are they big feet oh should we be calling them bigfoot too they just don't got hair all over them maybe it was a basketball player going on a hike you don't know Exactly. Maybe he just decided to don like some type of Chewbacca suit. I'll know. <laughs> anyway, that's my whole thing. So all that. The other thing that I wanted to mention to you was that there are a heck of documentaries on this mm-hmm. thing <laughs> all over Amazon Prime and YouTube even like discovering Bigfoot. That's the one that my friend was um, t- talking, talking about. about. The Bigfoot alien connection revealed. Listen to the description of this. Alien life is here right now, contacting us in the form of Bigfoot, UFOs, orbs, and other interdimensional paranormal phenomena. Experiences are changing nature as we know it. So there's kind of like a nod to the crop circle discussion, right? It's just a very, I don't know. It's all weaved. Is it really, though? I mean... I don't know, Bigfoot and aliens, it doesn't seem like they'd really be like in the same social circles. 
And I agree. When I saw that, I was like, come on now. But apparently someone made a documentary about it. So I must be true. That. I must be true. <laughs> yeah. Chasing Bigfoot is another big, I think that's a series or something. But they anyway. never find it, obviously. If they're just chasing yeah. it. You'd think they would find some kind of den or something where yeah. they live. Yeah. You'd think. But maybe they did and they don't want to say because they don't want to give up the secret just yet because we're all in too deep with it. I don't know. <laughs> like the government like, is with aliens. <laughs> yeah. Like you just can't solve the mystery because then then what are we going to what are we going to try gonna to believe choose? in? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Need to make something else up to go find, you know, like lazy, lazy way. Like, no, that one's there. Might as well just leave it. Don't touch it. Yeah, I can't see that happening. Yeah. Not the way human nature is. I know. Because somebody would want credit for it if they found them. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. But then everybody would be pissed at that person for, like, giving away the ending. You know what I mean? So you might as well just... (laughs) Well, maybe they need to be put in witness protection <laughs> I know. so nobody can find them. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got on Bigfoot. I just wanted to bring his big old hairy ass up. <laughs> to the forefront. <laughs> to the forefront. That's watch. Yeah, I remember reading about it and seeing those grainy ass photos of Bigfoot. Yep. I mean, you know what? And he didn't even really look all that big. That's what I'm saying. Back in the day, <laughs> what what's big? It's all relative, right? Right. <laughs> well, I think with all the pot farms up in Humboldt County that they would have somehow come, a- come upon Bigfoot at this point. <laughs> or like forgot or just blamed it on the pot. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of UFO stuff i came across this on history.com and it's called the project blue book and it's actually um a tv show on history channel and there's actually a movie that was i think produced this year called project blue book exposed unfortunately you have to purchase both of them so i didn't watch either (laughs) but basically In June 1947, while flying his small plane, businessman and civilian pilot Kenneth Arnold reported seeing nine objects moving at high speeds through the skies over Washington's Mount Rainier. Hmm. So that and other reported UFO sightings led the U.S. Air Force to begin an investigation into the sightings called Operation Sign in 1948. And the initial investigation was resulted in the formation of Project Blue Book in 1952, and that project became the longest running of the U.S. government's official inquiries into the UFO sightings, compiling reports on more than 12,000 sightings or related events from 1952 to its dismantling in 1996. So, yeah, the government knows something. Something. With 12,000 sightings. But why would they hide it? Can you imagine? Seriously. I know. I mean, we I knew that, that there were aliens on our planet. People would go freaking bonkers. I know, but there's a way to... I mean, they go bonkers over the littlest shit already, so... Well, I guess, I guess my point is, if you have a big secret 
And you know, people are like chomping at the bit to like see if it's something that's for reals. You'd leak out a little bit just to be like, oh my gosh, look what we found. But then there's like a whole body of work that still could be top secret. And are we the only government doing this? I mean, this is a worldwide type of phenomenon. Like, what are the stories that are happening, like, in China or in India or around the world? Are there governments hiding it, too? I'm sure. They, you know, I'm sure that aliens are not just visiting the U.S., right? It's like they're in other places, too. So, I I mean, I get it why the government would probably hide stuff. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, maybe there's a middle ground to to be had where you just say a little bit of what's going on and then keep the deep, deep stuff secret. Cause I'm sure that's happening with like technology building. There's other things that are not as scary that mm-hmm. the government's doing that with as well. Right. So, Oh yeah. I mean, the government's probably, the government has secrets. Yeah. Which it's they should. It's been I that mean, way, but they yeah. probably don't want to freak people out. And they're probably doing if I mean, if this is for real and they're capturing these aliens or whatever, probably doing tests on them that people, wouldn't I don't know it's kind of crazy um, yeah no I see it do you believe in aliens and UFOs I mean and stuff? I kind of believe that there's no way that we are the only ones in this vast universe there can't it can't be we, we cannot mm. we can't be the only living creatures in this billions and billions of stars as Carl Sagan would say <laughs> I don't believe yeah. it. I don't believe it. I, I feel like I'm in the same camp as you. Would I put a label of aliens? And would I subscribe to the imagery that's been circulating for decades? Mm. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree. I, I don't feel like we're the only living beings, intelligent life forms, basically, mm-hmm. um, that are out there. I mean, can you imagine if someone from another planet came into the country? They they don't even want people from Mexico in this country. I know. I was just going to say. It's like they call people that come into, I mean, it's not just Mexico. It's all different countries. Yeah, any country. And they call yeah. them illegal aliens. They're calling humans yeah. illegal aliens. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we can't even handle another human being being in our country, let alone quote-unquote alien from another planet like the stigma around alien is just bad right now yeah it's like we can't freaking handle that we're not gonna be able to handle something that is totally out there yeah but the the pilot kenneth arnold compared the movement of the nine mysterious objects over mount rainier to that of a saucer if you skip it across water Hmm. so like if you that kind of makes me think of like skipping a flat stone across water water yeah at like 1700 miles per hour so that like (laughs) that saucer shaped image is is a popular it's widespread i mean that's what people see so if people are seeing the same image the same object how can that not be true I mean, I can understand if people were seeing different objects, then maybe it wouldn't be so easy to believe. But if people are seeing the same flying saucer type shape, type shape, then I don't know. There's something to that. 
And then the Roswell thing, you know, the crash in Wall- mm-hmm. Roswell. Yeah. And the government said it was a weather balloon. Well, how many saucer-shaped weather balloons do we have? <laughs> I don't know. Well, as far as, like, seeing the same shape, I I wouldn't necessarily doubt that. It's the connection or making the automatic connection to something that's alien. And it goes back to, like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't the government at least say a little bit of something? Because because the of them holding back this information, it's causing us to make those assumptions on our own. So then that's how that just kind of snowballs, right? Mm-hmm. So I could I totally believe that somebody would see a bunch of, like, saucer-shaped things flying through the air, why couldn't that be a government experiment, not necessarily aliens? And that's really what they're trying to hide. Like, it, it's just, like, I get all perspectives of it, which makes this whole thing just kind of challenging in, in my own personal brain to try to reconcile. But I feel like it's, you know, they're just, like, just come on, government, just say something. Throw us so you bone. feel it's a project <laughs> that the government's doing yeah. and they don't want to tell us what that project is. So they're just kind of poo-pooing it. Kind of like I feel like, you know, the government, most governments um, are always doing this race to technology, building technology, which is why, you know, um, like the Navy and like the defense, the defense sectors um, have already thought of technology that's only going to be made to the public like decades later. Right. So I feel like maybe this whole flying saucer thing might be something that's similar. I don't know. I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about it, obviously, but I wouldn't I wouldn't see that as something being far off from Mm -hmm. some type of development or research. Um, But like I said, people are probably associating it with aliens because they just know absolutely nothing about it. Now, I don't know what to say, though, about people who have claimed to have been abducted and then, you know, had described, you know, while somebody is sketching what these other life forms look like. And then the commonality around that, I've never really looked into that Mm -hmm. across the world, right? Big eyes, maybe big kind of head, like the general shape. Well, according to this article, over the next 17 years, Project Blue Book would compile reports of 12,618 UFO sightings. Similarly to the Robertson panel, Blue Book would eventually classify more than 90% of these as identified, meaning they were caused by known astronomical, atmospheric, or artificial man-made phenomenon. Mm. The remaining 700 incidents remained unidentified, These include cases in which there was insufficient information to assign the event a known cause. However, in 1966, the Air Force had requested the formation of another committee to look into the details of 59 UFO sightings investigated by the Project Blue Book. So if the Air Force is inquiring about these sightings, I mean, I Mm -hmm. would think that if the government was doing a private project, that the Air Force would be somehow involved. Maybe. I mean, I've seen government uh, agencies where one group does not talk to the other <laughs> all day true. long. That's true. <laughs> Just saying, right, Kathy? True, um, true. But, but at the same time, if it's something that's, that's that big, you'd at least think that heads of those agencies or departments would, would kind of at least know about it and not poke around. Yeah. To make it a big deal. Yeah. Well, they basically told the Air Force to stop investigating those sightings. Mm-hmm. And so there's been civilian investigations that continue. And these 
people are called UFOlogists mm. mm-hmm. because they were satisfied with the government's findings or conclusions. But the truth is out there. Is it? <laughs> X-Files. You ever watch X-Files? Yes, I did. <laughs> By the way, I loved it. And David Duchovny was one of my television boyfriends mm-hmm. in my head. I'm not surprised. Love him. Because Scully was mine. She was pretty badass, yeah. I gotta say. Mm-hmm. What else did you have? Anything? Well, yeah, I did one kind of quick thing related to just phenomenon, which I thought was kind of interesting as well, was around sound frequency. So you were talking a lot about like energy fields in crop circles. Um, and sound frequencies have always been just kind of this fascinating thing to me. Again, I learned about this through conversations with a friend um, and really looking at how frequencies and vibrations affect us as humans, right? Because it's a sensory thing and really this ability um, to connect with things, even things that might be supernatural. It's kind of like a radio station, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just like very high level background, my understand. And, th- and the things that I know are just very kind of superficial. I, d- I don't know a whole, whole lot about this, but like in music, they have this standard tuning frequency of around 440 mm-hmm. hertz, right? So um, a lot of people, there's kind of the, this debate like in the whole music world about, um, you know, the 440 standard being there and how back in the day, like in Europe, you know, people would tune to like 435 or 432. The French were like, you know, being um, pretty competitive about that piece. But the fact that they think that the 440 bit had gotten politicized, but the importance of it is that you want a standard so that like a piano in Canada sounds exactly like a piano in China, right? You know, everybody has a a base for reference. Right. But a lot of people talk about this frequency and this idea of, you know, um, what we choose as a standard and trying to pick something that is not counter to nature. So as I was doing a little bit of research, there was um, something that I come across about um, really supporting the frequency of the 432 because it's much more of a, and this is a quote, a pure tone of math fundamental to nature and is mathematically consistent with the patterns of the universe of vibrating with phi, the golden ratio, right? So this whole idea of perfectness and balance um, in the world. And this quote goes on to say, uh, they point to how this pitch can be connected to everything from Nautilus shells to the works of the ancients, including the construction of the Great Pyramid, which also was tied to, you know, allegedly alien assistance back in the day, because how could you build like these big, huge things without any type of assistance, knowing that your technology was pretty rudimentary back back in the day? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so History Channel actually has an episode called the 110 Hertz Phenomena, which focuses on that particular vibration being kind of like the, the channel, if you will, to dial into talking with aliens, um, that mm. that's where they can connect. It's dialing into that. What are those things that when you're like a CB, is that what they're called? The CB radio? Like short CB radio. ham radio? Yeah. So I don't know. I've never used one of those before, but is that like you, do you have to dial into a certain frequency to connect with somebody like on a channel? How does that work? Possibly. I don't know much about it. But yeah, but I, I think that what's fascinating about this is that Um, you know, there is this other kind of scientifically based way, allegedly, of trying to connect and communicate. Um, Sound is a really amazing thing. And I know that there are um, things like sound therapy. So like um, ideas of binaural beats, um, where you Mm -hmm. basically have these two frequencies coming at you um, that are very close in range, and that um, there's this kind of uh, perception of a third 
kind of beat or frequency that you could hear when you have two frequencies that close together. And um, some people really kind of claim that as being part of um, of healing. Like you have these chakras that have frequencies. So if you listen to certain sounds, it's allegedly um, beneficial to to help clear blockages, restore balance in your system. I mean, they have like real specific numbers, root chakra frequency is 396, sacral chakra is 417. So they, hmm. it's just a very, there are like seven um, different frequencies that are supposed to be, you know, allegedly beneficial. So anyway, I just, I could totally go off on sound because it's just this thing that people, it's, you can immediately respond to it um, and it affects your emotion and happiness. That's why music is so- um, Mood changing. So, yeah, like immediately mood changing, right? Um, and and I know that there are some musicians who really kind of get into like that deeper level frequency, especially when you're making certain like beats and sounds, and um, that's all based on frequency, right? Are you doing something that's really low? Are you doing something that's high? And kind of manipulating your listener through those different frequencies, it could you could really kind of dive in mm-hmm. um, pretty hard on that. So we went from spooky paranormal <laughs> to healing and massage <laughs> all in one episode on women who sarcast you know the learning never ends <laughs> it's related it's related to the alien communication that's right what, because know, that's how of, they the would mom, communicate yeah. yeah how we started so whatever you're doing for halloween if you celebrate it or not be careful be safe watch out for mm. bigfoot Watch out for aliens. And the ghosts and the poltergeists and and the scary sounds. Well, thanks for going down this rabbit hole with me, Shailani. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Kathy. You just never know what you'll get when Shailani's on Women Who Sarcast. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Women Who Sarcast, an independent podcast. We welcome and encourage your snarky comments. Contact us at womenwhosarcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at womenwhosarcast. Support us on Patreon and become part of our sarcastic community. Visit www.patreon.com backslash womenwhosarcast. Show music provided by Mike Imbasiani. <laughs>